0: Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show Podcast. On this episode, we get you set for the rematch between Edmonton and Winnipeg with Bob Stoffer, Oilers radio analyst. We'll also get an update on the state of amateur football in the province with Jordy Wilson, head coach of the Winnipeg Rifles, right here on the podcast. Last night, a chaotic 6-5 win for the Winnipeg Jets over the Edmonton Oilers. Should we expect more of the same tomorrow night? We're joined now by radio color analyst for the Oilers and host of Oilers Now on 630 Chad Bob Stauffer. Bob, good evening. Welcome to the show. Hi, Christian. How are you? I'm doing well. Last night's game, was it fun for you, even though the Oilers lost?
1: Aren't 6-5 games always the best games? I mean, I, I think back to... Uh, I don't know if you were born when these games were being played, but the 1987 Canada Cup, in my opinion, was some of the greatest hockey ever played. In those three games that Canada and Russia played, all ended up six five. And uh, long before I did the uh, Evans and Oilers, I did the Alberta Golden Bears, and they won six national championships in 13 years that I did the games. But uh, the, the one year, one of the years I didn't win, was probably the best uh, university game I ever broadcast. I had about five lead changes. And Alberta lost in Frederick to the UNB 6-5 in overtime. And that one still stings because the Bears won the next two years. So, um, you know, I for, for me, I like high-scoring hockey. I'm a I'm a child of the 80s in Edmonton, which means I like lots of goals and I tend to like lots of fights. So I'll take the goals because we don't see too many battles anymore, uh, anymore, anymore the way we used to back the 80s.
0: And just for the record, I I was not born uh, in the 80s. I did watch. That was one of the things I, I watched during the that period where there were no sports on, it. it was just everything getting rebroadcast from the past. I did watch the Canada Cup, and uh, yeah, it was pretty good stuff.
1: Christian, there's going to come a time in about 25 years from now when uh, you're going to have three chins instead of one, and uh, you're you're gonna you're gonna harken back to your days of being your late teens and early 20s. And, uh, you know, and I'll just add in being sort of just a little bit on the exterior, uh, you would sometimes see the greatest cavalcade of stars that's ever been, that we've seen in the national hockey league. And unfortunately, Jets fans have to watch that a lot. Uh, it was a pretty cool time to grow up in Edmonton. the Eskimos had won seven, you know, five great cups, 78, to 82. And then, uh, you know, a couple of guys on the team were teachers of mine in uh, junior high and high school. And then, Watching the Oilers go through that and, ma- and making up a large part of the Canada Cup teams in '84, '87, it was spectacular hockey at a very different time politically. You know, we weren't we weren't the most sensitive. Uh, we had a social uh, social conservative prime minister at the time in terms of Brian Mulroney. Uh, but we didn't like Russians back in the mid, <laughs> mid-1980s, mid and the hockey was spectacular. So the game last night, though, to answer your question, I've already taken you down a different path. It was, it was a fun game to broadcast. Um, you know, the Jets obviously have got skill, and the Oilers gave them two goals. Edmonton outplayed Winnipeg. Winnipeg's got the better goalie. We know that. And the Oilers just can't give up freebies, and that's what killed them last night because they actually played pretty well.
0: Well, there was a thought going into the game, Bob, that, Mike Smith returning he had two good starts against Montreal and Ottawa this was going to be what they needed and then he gets pulled after giving up four goals so what is the solution in that for the Oilers
1: well I think you know from my perspective uh, you know Dave Tippett said after last night's game that that was uh, him getting pulled was a wake-up call to the team Uh, that said they had four scoring chances on Smith and scored on all four plays Uh, the second goal the Connor goal I mean Connor Yamamoto turns the puck over Ten feet away from the net, and he turns it over to a guy that's a three-time thirty-goal scorer. Connor can make that play; just rip one home. Uh, you know, the, the three-one goal. Um, yeah, Smith maybe made a, maybe could have made a better play on it, but you got Darnell Nurse over rotating and colliding with Ryan Nugent-Hopkins and making a two-on-three, a two-on-one. So, uh, and then obviously Ehlers has been red hot for the Jets this year. He's really taken a step forward from where he was a couple years ago when he had that tough season, and you know. Absolute bazooka to to make it four-one. So uh, their goaltending is not as good as Winnipeg's, but they do need the two goaltenders. And right now they're at an eight ninety-five save percentage, and yeah. it's almost remarkable that they're at nine and eight when you think of that. I'm watching Winnipeg, or sorry, watching Pittsburgh right now. They're twenty-ninth and thirty-first in save percentage. Edmonton's it. like twenty-third. If the orders can get to 9.05 by the end of the year, they're currently at 8.95. If they can get 9.05, I think they'll make the playoffs because I think their D is a much better, uh, you know, sort of puck transition offensive D than it was that it has been in past years. So they'll be playing a little bit differently, but against the Jets, you just against any team in the North, uh, maybe Ottawa would be the one team you'd exclude that. You can't give up the caliber of opportunity. Like they just, they gave them two goals. You can't do that right now. And that's what killed them last night.
0: We're seeing a lot of offense in the North Division so far. And over the course of any season, there are going to be games that are 2-1. There are going to be games that are 6-5. But for the Oilers' perspective, those games they played last week that were a tighter game, low-scoring game, as unglamorous as those are, is that the way they have to play to be successful?
1: I would say to you, Christian, they're deceptive because Connor McDavid has played at a level this season – that he's never. And we'll have to talk about Pionk at some point, but he's never been this good. Okay, like he is crushing it in every form of advanced analytics. I don't know how much reliance you you put on that on your show, but you know he's a fifty-eight to fifty-nine fa- percent, uh, you know Corsi and Fenwick guy. He's this is the most uh, offensive uh, scoring chances McDavid's ever created. On a per game basis, giving up the least defensively, and the order's just a, he's had a, a poor save percentage when he's on the ice, and that's what's killed his plus minus. And so he's had the bad PDO numbers while Drysettles running a hot PDO, and that's so. I those those three games last week, yeah, they they did get the, the goalies played well, but Edmonton missed a bunch of chances where the, those could have easily been five one games, not three one games. But they got to get the goals against now. That's a given. I think having two goaltenders that they can go to will play a factor, uh, especially as we get more, uh, there's more back to box in, uh, in March and April in the NHL than there is in February, uh, you know, January and February. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how all this all comes into fruition here.
0: So Neil Pionk, you mentioned him. He's, he was pretty much almost tasked with being the glue on Co- Connor McDavid last night. That's kind of how I viewed it. He, did, I think, a, a pretty good job. He did take a stick to the face from McDavid when he went for a big hit at one point. But I, I take it that you thought he did a decent job as well?
1: I can't believe how all well the trades worked. I mean, you think of the fact that Truman didn't want to sign long-term in Winnipeg, and he had, you know, I guess his, his wife or his girlfriend's a doctor, and, you know, that's the player's prerogative. But, Kevin, the one thing about the Jets is they're not a team with a lot of bluster they've got you know they got some people in their organization like greg heisinger that those guys are grinders and they stole pionk off the rangers like that guy's a hell of a defenseman and uh you know he's on he's very good offensive. He's he's probably got a higher offensive ceiling than josh morrissey and he has been able to match up against mcdavid and, and frankly i mean even the hit that he got in on dry at the end of the game i would say this that if he played back in the 1980s and targeted McDavid a bit, and, you know, he got him with his uh, hip check, and a lot of guys don't like hip checks. Um, when he got Leon the way he did at the end of the game uh, last night, he'd probably have to eat something stronger than Conor McDavid's stick at some point, but the game's not played that way anymore. So a very effective player and a huge player for the Jets. Like, uh, you call him the glue, and I to me, as much as I respect Josh Morrissey, I think he's Winnipeg's best defenseman. And He played a, a crazy a 6-5 game, and we're talking about the performance of Pionk, and the difference of goaltending. But that is part of the reason why Winnipeg won that game last night.
0: Well, it's a matter of you can't stop Connor McDavid. You can only hope to contain Connor McDavid. Yeah. And in a game where it was a 6-5 game, it was Alex Chase on getting a couple goals. It was Yamamoto getting a goal. The depth of the team has been under such scrutiny for years because they've had all these high picks and haven't done much with it. What do you think right now, other than the goaltending, I, I guess, what's holding this team back from being a great team? Is it just the goaltending?
1: Well, Ken Holland came in, and he knew the lay of land. Evanston had no cap space for a couple of years. Um, he salvaged Poliarby. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm not saying Jesse's ever going to be a 30-goal scorer, but he's 22 now. He's already been better this year than I thought he was going to be capable of he had one game in Winnipeg. Where he might, I mean, he has outplayed Nugent Hopkins on that line with McDavid over the last three weeks. So, you know, I, you know, by the time he's 25, can he be you know, can he be a 25 to 30 goals? So that's a top six forward. Yamamoto is another, you know, they got him 22nd. And I think he's uh, about plus 23 or plus 24 since coming up from the, uh, and sometimes plus minus is a bit of a BS stat. But he's been a, a real good five on five forward for the Oilers since being recalled last year. So those are a couple drafted and uh, developed players, and they haven't taken a direct route in terms of their development. But think of the situation in Winnipeg where Jets fans were with Patrick Laine the first year where they thought he was better than Austin Matthews. And think about where Laine ended up going, you know. And and so I think, that, you know what, I, I think they've got some a couple decent right-wingers there that they can build, you know, that can help support McDavid and Dreisaitl. And then Evan Bouchard's the other guy I would instruct uh, Jets fans to keep an eye on. He's he's got a real high offensive ceiling. He's a smart player. He makes plays that no other defenseman can make. And who would have thought right now, Christian, that the Edmonton Oilers would have the high-scoring defense in the National Hockey League? And that's what I mean. I think they're going to have to do it a little bit differently this year. Uh, They're in the North. It's a higher-scoring division. I think you're going to have to generate from the back end. And then the Oilers have, Christian, twenty five million billion in cap space coming off next year, depending upon what happens with Nugent Hopkins and James Neal. Uh, So... We'll see uh, what uh, options they decide to explore with James Neal and uh, whether or not Nugent Hopkins signs or whether or not they uh, look at doing something else there. So Ken Holland will finally have some cap space. The orders have a couple pretty good forwards that a lot of guys would like to play with, but David and Dreisaitl, they got to improve their goaltending. I think that's a given. they got to get another goalie in here at some point. But I'm actually fairly bullish about where Emerson can go here over the next uh, 18 months.
0: All right, I'll get you out of here on this. Where they can go in the next 24 hours, they're taking on the Jets tomorrow night, nine o'clock Central Time, eight o'clock your time there, in the Mountain Region. What are you expecting tomorrow night after last night's barn burner?
1: I, I expect a three-two game. I just think both teams will want to lock it down. That's a good, you know, both teams have good coaching staffs, and uh, they probably didn't like the excitement that the fans and the broadcasters. And even some of the players, frankly, liked last night. I see a lower scoring game with fewer uh, errors and mistakes.
0: All right. Look forward to it, Bob. Appreciate your time. Thanks for this and uh, enjoy the call tomorrow.
1: Call anytime, Christian. Take care.
0: I got a text the other day from Jordy Wilson. He is the man behind the Winnipeg Rifles and he was wanting to come on to talk about the state of amateur football in the province and I thought yes absolutely because we haven't really heard much about amateur football in many months this is normally the off season but the off season has been very long because there was no season last year and Jordy joins us now on the show so Jordy what how this off season has been over a year now how does amateur football look right now
2: well, yeah, that's the the million dollar question. well we're we've kind uh, of as our board and our the PFC as for instance with our program is that we made the conscious effort to to move forward um that we believe there's going to be football. I mean, I've talked to Jeff Bannon here with the Big High School Football League. They're trying to have a spring season this year with the Big High School Football League, but again. We'll see how that all plays out, obviously. But uh, we're moving forward. I mean, from our perspective, we uh, we expect to have uh, the 2021 class for so the kids that would be graduating this year that would have played football this past fall. We have, as of right now, we have uh, rookie camp booked for April 10th and 11th outside. So it'll be, you know, it could be snowy and could be ugly, who knows, at Dakota. Collegiate, where they got the turf field there. And then the following week, we have our 2020 rookies who... This was all our first rookie camp was supposed to unfold the week that the world shut down last year in March. And then uh, we're going to have a combined camp April 25th and 26th. And then we're going to roll right into our spring camp and culminate with a a game May 15th at Dakota, our black and white game. We'd be full uh, special teams, full officials. I think the crazy part is right now, Christian, we have 55 returning veterans plus the 65 kids that we signed last year and then probably, I don't know, another 80 to 90 kids. So we're, we're dealing with about 220 players or thereabouts right now. So uh, we're moving forward. Um, and again, like everybody, we're, we believe there's going to be football this year. It's just a matter of when does the actual date start. Our league put our schedule out two weeks ago. We are scheduled to open up uh, August 8th in Calgary against Calgary Colts. And uh, again, we'll see how that works out. So we've built in three buys during the season in case we have to jockey stuff around. And then there's also a schedule that we've looked at. If this one doesn't fly, like in the sense that we get the okay from all the government levels to start at that point, we might start a little bit later. So, but we're, this is what we're preparing to do. So that's kind of where we're at.
0: Well, you got to plan quite in advance in a, in a good year. So now you're in a Mm. situation where you're hoping that the pandemic is under control, that, Mm -hmm. there's a decent portion of the population that's been vaccinated by the time you play your first game. And there's the hope that, you know, CFL is close to being underway or underway by that point. So it's real. I understand you got a plan. Is it hard to be optimistic or do you have to be optimistic?
2: I think you have to be optimistic. I I mean, I think of myself and I know Dale, Dreacher, our president on our board, I think by nature, we're optimistic. Um, we do feel okay. Are we frustrated with the rollout of the vaccines in our country? Oh, I think we could all get into that line. Um, but I think at the end of the day, like you would have to think that a G7 country that's pretty wealthy and somewhat smart, we would all hope that by then they're going to figure out a way to get us vaccinated. We hope, but uh, yeah, I think we have to be optimistic about it. But I mean, the, the scary part is, and this is part of the other thing when we're text messages, that last year. I mean, to run our programs about $350,000 a year. So, you know, between corporate sponsors, we get revenues from 50-50 from the Bombers and all that kind of stuff. Our kids work elevators at the game, but there was no revenue last year. And much like all, uh, you know, amateur sports teams, it, you know, I mean, you look at the Manitoba Junior Hockey League and, they're obviously look, have approached the province about, you know, with lost you know, revenue opportunities, and different things. Everybody's hurting, man. Like anybody that's in, in you know, CFL is hurting. We're all hurting. So there's a thing that the Bombers have put in, the, the, the Blue Bombers uh, Chase the Ace program, which will be great for minor football. And this is the thing, too, is the Bombers are concerned as well. They want to make sure that minor football survives and thrives because that's the lifeblood, too, of, you know, building new – the next Andrew Harris and Nick Dembski and all those kind of guys we need young kids playing football so they're doing everything they can to try to do that and they're doing things through the the Bombers chase the ace program and we'll get some revenue from that as well to help us uh, moving forward as well so it's it's an important thing and with the, the chase the ace thing that's really cool is that you can support amateur football at the same time potentially when tens of thousands of dollars as the accumulator pool goes. So that the first draw is this Thursday. I heard Wade on this morning on the morning show talking to to the crew there and talking about that. And it's something that's important. I mean money makes these things work, right? And I but again from a coaching perspective, I just wish we can get back to training. Like we do our off season training at the Bombers facility. Like I hope to heck we can get back in there and start training soon and then in the spring, like I talked about those dates, at that point, will we be able to put full equipment on? I don't know. But we might be able to have groups of 10 in you know, the position groups. Whatever it is, we're going to do. But to get back going here and get back with the young men, and that's what keeps me young too, right? And you're all around young guys. want to be around them so we can stay young and get fired up for football season.
0: So what kind of, I guess, contingency plans are in place if two months from now you can't have those camps? Or is it just...
2: Um- I think what we'll do, like, I mean, I know that like we have a schedule that, let's say we can't start in August, if our first league game can't be in August, and things get pushed back, we have a schedule that starts in September. So, like, it's uh, that would be the next move. And then, obviously, what we would do is we would push back. If the April dates don't work, we'll keep pushing stuff back because we obviously have to get these kids in the field to, I mean, I know what we have returning-wise, but a lot of the young guys, I mean, until you see them up close and personal, you don't really know Exactly what you've got. I mean, we've watched them play. And I feel bad for the kids this year. Can you imagine, like, you know, you're a grade 12 kid in today's world that you didn't get to play your last year of high school football or hockey or basketball or volleyball or whatever your sport might be. And it's hard to evaluate those kids because we've seen them as 11s, but you weren't as focused on them as we were the 12s because that's the group, obviously, that we would see the following year. So it's hard. Um, But that's why we want to get those kids out, you know, whatever – way we can if it's out in t-shirts and shorts to start with in groups of 10 or something we'll work on that but there is the contingency we can always move stuff back if 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 necessary and hopefully that's not the case but it's certainly in today's world it could be a reality
0: well let's hope that everything turns out because i think we all want football at the cfl level we all want sports to come back and obviously we have to do it in the safe way I think we're doing a pretty good job, but as a province right now, dealing with the numbers, uh, the vaccinations, you know, you can have a different story on that. But nonetheless, Jordy, mm-hmm. ap- appreciate you coming on and uh, wishing the best of luck again for the, the Chase the Ace. Uh, we had uh, yeah, Wade Miller on earlier today. For yeah. people to learn more about that, uh, how can uh, they get involved?
2: They can go directly to the Blue Bombers website or if they simply go Blue Bombers Ace. So it's just Blue Bombers Ace, all one word, .com. Um, they can go in there and again you can enter weekly there's a weekly prize chase, the rules are all explained right on there it's pretty simple stuff and then there's a accumulator pile or a pot so that if there's not a, a the grand prize winner the accumulator pot keeps building And I mean a lot of the legions in town and in the province in the chase case, the ace in this case I mean it could build into tens of thousands of dollars all of a sudden you know some winner might walk away with a big whack of cash and have some fun gambling along the way and what the heck we got lot of, you know we have lots of time so we can go online in the evening and chase the ace and hopefully someone will win and at the same time minor football will win and the winnipeg rifles will win so that's a that'd be a bonus for everybody and again i appreciate your support and we look forward to talking about real football instead of imaginary football as we are right now
0: absolutely jordy thanks for this stay safe
2: thank you pal have a good night
0: well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places, I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. On, and thanks for all the So sad that they should come to this we Try to warn you of
1: oh, the You may not share our intellect, which might explain the.